This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, kids. One more sleepover and we get game two. <laughs> Woo! Remember, remember when we used to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs and war of attrition and you guys play every other night for until the Stanley Cup's won. Now it's like you guys do nothing but rest until <laughs> a Stanley the Cup's rest, eh? won. <laughs> Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, yep. Sammy McKee, Josh Santos. Hey, we got a jam-packed uh, show today. Colby Armstrong is going to join us in about 10 minutes, guys, and uh, discuss the Stanley Cup final. Also, Chris Terrian a.k.a. Bundy, Philadelphia Flyers, Snow the Goalie, a Flyer podcast. He's going to come back, uh, come on the show and talk about John Tortorella and let us put our surprise faces on or off. Which one is it when it comes to Tortorella? He just won't go away, guys. Every time you think he's done, he won't go away. Did you see Genuinely surprised, tweet? Skipper. No, what did he tweet? Uh, I'm just going to look it up right now quickly, but he said uh, the prayers emoji for at NHL Flyers players. So <laughs> He has there some experience go. there from his Ranger days, right? No, and Columbus. Go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Before, we get, before we get into it with Colby Armstrong, uh, just your thoughts briefly, guys, on, on an extra day and uh, who does it benefit? We, we assume, JB, that uh, it's another 24 hours for John Cooper to make a necessary uh, adjustments. We do, but I've, I've always like, I've liked and admired his ability to make those adjustments quicker than the next guy. You know, I think given the extra day gives a bit of an advantage to Colorado and Bednar and, and their staff to put in as much work as Cooper. Um, I, the, the biggest thing for me is Braden Point. Like, he got out of the first game. He played very well, I thought, in the first game. Now he gets not just the one day where, you know, when the first time you do squats after the not doing them forever, it's like two days later you pay the price. Braden Point gets the two days off. And then he's able to get back into it for Saturday hold on, night. Hold on, hold on. See, you, you did something the last few days, didn't you? That, because... Was that hyper-specific? Did I tell on myself? <laughs> what, the, what the hell did you do to yourself two days ago where you're feeling really sore right now? I did one of those F-45s that kids in their 20s do, and boy. Oh, my oh, God, Borny, you're too old for that, pal. Are, are you Way nuts? too old. Dying. Absolutely dying. Like, to tie my shoes is a 10-minute labor at this point. Oh I am struggle-fast over here. <laughs> well, let's hope the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning can tie their skates faster than uh, than what you're going through right now. So let's go to a, a, a Kipper's Clipper. We got one on John Cooper and, and the layoff, Sammy. Yeah, we do. He's talking about the layoff. You know, just for to answer like the last question, because you know the Braden points could use that extra day. Uh, the Brendan Hagels could use that extra day. That's a good thing. Uh, when you lose a game in overtime. Uh, at times you almost want to play the next night. <laughs> so, uh, but because we haven't played this team in a while, now we've got a game under our belt for the coaches to kind of tackle it, see if there's adjust adjustments we can make. So for us, it's a good thing. Um, the tough part for us is, you know, we came two days early and now we've got another two days. So we're basically, it's going to be a six or seven day trip just to play two games. Uh, but that's what happens when you're the road team. Can't complain. We should have got more points during the regular season. 
but it'll be good for us to digest this game and not have such a quick turnaround after not see, seeing these guys for a while. Is that another day to, to, to breathe the thinner air in, in Colorado here? Was that a factor uh, being above sea level here for them? Did you, did you see know. tiredness out of shifts? Nah, I didn't really. Did you? I don't think it was a factor. I don't know. I, I can tell you. And you spent some time there, right, JB? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I when I went into Denver for the first time, uh, obviously uh, I, I, I was there right at the, the get-go for that uh, transition between Quebec and, and Denver. I, I noticed it. Um, yeah. You know, you can feel it. There's no question. Yeah. You know, Kipper, when uh, when I was in college, we used to go to Colorado Springs, which is a little higher than Denver. And uh, when we got off the plane, we would make all the rookies' helmets a little smaller. Like all the rookies' helmets yeah. would be made like a half inch smaller and be like, it's the altitude. Your head swells a little bit. Just get out there and get skating. It'll loosen up. Guys just scream in the bucket, <laughs> the red lines across the that's, forehead. <laughs> that's an incredible friend. That's really a, good. That's, that's good. That is right a there. good one. <laughs> that was a good time. Um, but it does make a difference. There's no doubt I felt it. Uh, I think they say it takes a week to two weeks to actually adjust your body to adjust to the altitude. So I don't think you ever get there. So it, it'll remain an advantage for Colorado uh, if it is indeed one. What about uh, the room for Colorado uh, to, to get better here? I thought, you know, for the most part, uh, they took full advantage of the energy of of opening up at home and you know maybe that was just enough to get them through uh an overtime uh and and we did mention that you know under different circumstances uh Vasilevsky could have found a way to still have Tampa Bay win game one but uh certainly that 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 oomph that they had going into game one was enough there but uh where's their room for growth in game two well you know Game, you know, it's funny that Cooper mentioned home ice advantage and saying, hey, we, you know, we should have won more games if we didn't want to have to deal with this. I think if that game's in Tampa Bay, Tampa wins it. Because when it gets to 3 3, if you're, if you blow a lead and you're on the road and all of a sudden the energy's in Tampa's favor and you're feeling like the world's crashing down on you, it's one thing. I thought Colorado's crowd picked them up when it got to 3 3 and they were able to rally. So, um, you know, big kudos to their fans on that one. Go ahead, Sam. We have a incredible clip from Jared Bednar about how they're preparing what, playing against Tampa Bay. Would you guys like to hear it? Because it okay. involves a local it, hockey team. Is, okay. is there is there a, a reference to say uh, your uh, favorite blue and white team? Potentially, let's hear it. There's right, certain things that we have to do, I think, to be successful against them, and and the, the one of the teams that we looked at closely and that I spent a lot of time on was the Leafs. It was obviously a great series. It was a dynamic series. And I see a lot of similarities in the Leafs play personnel to ours. Um, and some of the things that they do with the puck and um, in their offensive strategy, structure, tactics, whatever you want to call it, there's a, there's a lot of similarities. We learned that from playing against them this year. So they had a lot of success. They you know, it's tough to get that timely goal against Vasilevsky and Tampa and the way they defend, but they had some really strong pushes throughout that series, so we looked at them really closely. Sam I really, his hope, head. I wow. really hope that's not the kiss of death for him. <laughs> they should ha- they should they should hang the almost beat the lightning 
banner they should hang right beside that Jared Bednar compared Avalanche to Leaf banner because yeah, it, it's kind of true like it, it really is no the, it's very much have, true the Leafs don't have the de- the decor that a- the Avalanche do but up front they're right there with the Avs it, it's just it, it's it's a heartbreaking clip to hear to it be would have been great if just the the baggage didn't come the Leaf baggage yeah. didn't come with that quote Correct. <laughs> yeah, I feel no, like you shouldn't I, even I, mention the Leafs. Like, don't mention it, Jared. What are you doing, man? But, yes. but I've, I've had the same thought. Like, the Leafs had that team on the ropes, and, you know, the similar team, that four checks, fast team, possession team, like a lot of the same things. I see why he would look at the Leafs and say, hey, okay, you know, they were able to get some wins off them. How do we turn around? How do we not become susceptible to what the adjustments that Cooper made against the Leafs to beat them? It's a good team to watch to at least figure out, okay, here's how we could do better than the result the Leafs got. Yeah. Great. So, you know, Great. Leafs, the, the real banner, by Leafs. the way, is we got respect in the handshake line. That's oh, yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. That is, that's a very good banner. And how much upside is there on... Kill McCarr to get uh, better and uh, more involved uh, in the play. Let's uh, let's go to our pal, friend of the show, always there for us, Colby Armstrong, former NHLer, now one of the strongest Sportsnet hockey analysts they have. Just ask him. <laughs> How are you, pal? Right, Kipper. How are you? Yeah, I'm right, Skipper. Good. How you doing, buddy? Good. So where where is Colorado's? Barney there too. Oh, I'm yeah. here, buddy. I'm here. Home. How are you? Ah, Hi, there he is. There's old Barney. There's the old. Uh, and, and we got to talk. Yang. Colby, we got to talk twice as fast because they shrunk our show from two hours to okay. one. Okay. All right. So All right. where where is? We assume that Tampa, as, as they did against the Leafs and the and the Rangers, will make the necessary adjustments. But what about Colorado's upside to? to get better and uh, watch Kale McCarr have uh, a lot more success, uh, at least on a score sheet. Yeah. It's, well, the whole thing is, is how many days off they had heading into that. Right. Like, and I, I think the big boost for them is that they're on home ice. That was, that's a, that's a huge difference maker though. What that rank, that what their home rank will do to them. So I think they're only bound to get better. I think McCarr's only bound to get better. I think, uh, you know, their team play is only bound to get better. Um, you know, in saying that, I think we've seen Tampa be able to be kind of chameleon-like through the playoffs and finding ways to, you know, figure out ways to shut teams down. And, you know, I was watching the, the NBA final game last night. And there was a thing coming out about, you know, obviously Steph Curry and, you know, the greatness of his play. And I read something about Kobe Bryant who, who kept yelling, I found it, I found it, when he was found a way to finally guard him during a game. And... uh you know, I think Tampa's kind of like that team, right? Like they're a team that just kind of finds a way, eventually, the recipe that'll work to beat you. But home ice advantage, all that time off, I think they're going to get better. But it was the first ten minutes of the game, right? Uh, it was it was a, the, the rust factor, uh, and I think it was the home ice advantage for Colorado off the start. So, I, what do I expect today? I don't know. What do I expect tonight? I'm not sure. Colby, uh, recently you tweeted something I'm very excited to ask you about. You had a nice chat with Steven Stamkos, a little heart-to-heart with him. Yeah. I, I believe they called it about his relationship with John Cooper, his legacy, and his potential three-peat. Tell us about what you learned talking to Steven Stamkos. Well, I played with Stammer, uh, I think he was 18 years old at World Championships, him and Drew Doughty at the time, and maybe he's 19, and 
Um, got to know him way back, so when he was a lot younger. So it's, it's cool seeing him now with a grizzled beard and, you know, going for his third cup. And, you know, it's – but we forget about all the hard stuff he kind of went through, right, and possibly being in a box and – you know, pigeonholed as a young player with uh, being the one-timer guy to stand there and shoot. and Just the progression of his career and also the progression through, yeah, you, you go go play wing, kid. Yeah, you, I can't use you as a centerman. And, and mm-hmm. him and Cooper and their relationship back and forth on, on, on figuring that out also. Um, and I thought he had, he had some good lines. It was shit crazy. He's like, you know, being a player and dealing with a coach and especially a captain's a, a relationship on respect. And I think both those guys have a ton of respect for each other and trust for each other and what they're going to do. But it's amazing watching, watching these guys go through their career uh, really together, Cooper and, and, and Stamkos. And, and it's like Cooper said, it's like watching a little kid grow up with his play, you know, he's a dad now, he's married, he's, you know, this well-rounded player now and this really great leader. So uh, we just kind of walked through the evolution of Steven Stamkos and, and, you know, we've gotten to see it ourselves, right? We've gotten to see him grow up and turn into the player that he is and the leader that he is now also. Colbs, I've got Stammer as our modern-day Stevie Iserman where, you know, they've... I asked him about that. They did. They did incredible things earlier in their career, but never had the true respect until they started yeah. to to put those championships together. Both sixty uh, goal scorers, and and the point I always made with Austin Matthews is great. Nobody nobody will give a crap really about your sixty goals unless it comes with championships and uh, and the ability to lead. And that's where Stammer has picked up so much momentum in the last two and a half, three years in his legacy. A hundred percent. I think a hundred percent. I think if you asked him, he would say that a hundred percent. That's exactly bang on. And I think winning validates it, but also, you know, winning teaches you a lot or it's, it, you know, it's really hard to do. Like Kipper, I only played in the playoffs twice. First round losses both times through my career. Like nothing is really guaranteed just because you're in the NHL, no matter how good you are too. And I think, you know, some of the harder times that he'd gone through uh, where it wasn't easy. And listen, he said like, people don't know what happens behind closed doors and some of the hard things he went through and how dark it can get and how lonely you can feel. Um, and all the question marks flying through your head and for him to, you know, rebound off of, off of some of these things and, you know, evolve as a player, person, and leader uh, with this group and this team, this organization, and, and, you know, exclamation point stamp it with, you know, championships um, for a player in his category, 100%. I said Steve Eiserman, like Joe Sackick, like you look at down the list of the guys that, you know, he's in that realm, and it's kind of crazy because, Kip, you played against those guys. I grew up, me and Borny grew up watching those guys too. It's like, it feels weird saying that, but that's that's the reality right now where his game is. And you're right, it is the same as Stevie Eiserman, 100%. You know, just points guy, everyone, probably the same as Stammer, right? One-timer guy, and then you see where their game is now, and it, at the end of it, it was, man, Steve Eiserman, what a leader, ultimate warrior. Yeah. He's playing on one leg. Look at this guy and, you know, and, and winning championships. What a leader, and Stammer's right there. He's right there right now. Uh, where his game's at, what he's what he's doing with this team. 
So I, I wonder because I, I watch you know the Stanley Cup final and the Stanley Cup of, over the years, and and trying to suss out how much luck is involved for guys just getting to be on good teams and how it changes the perception of them. Because, uh, you know, honestly, Colby, like you mentioned, like you only got in uh, the playoffs a couple times, but you're a guy who played a gritty game, a physical game, you well-rounded hockey. And then you look at a guy like Phil Kessel who used to get buried, and then he goes and plays in the Pittsburgh Penguins, and all of a sudden it's like, Phil's learned how to win. It's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know and, and Kucherov is that guy to me. This guy is on an awesome team, and he's a star. Yeah. You know, would he be looked at differently if he was on bad teams? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that whole concept? Yeah, well, basketball again last night, like Andrew Wiggins, Canadian guy, right? Like, first was he first overall, I believe? And he's like, yeah. you know, you're supposed to win. You're supposed to be great. And here he is now finally getting this opportunity and, and just slides into a, you know, uh, a team that's a winning franchise. Like the culture is just right there. You just come in and you just got a player, maybe accept your role. It's always a little easier when you're in those situations to just do that. But yeah, I think you're right. Like it's, you've got to, you've got to be lucky. You've got to be in the right situation. You got to have the right core group and leadership. And I know we talk about it a lot and, you know, core group and, you know, our leadership group, you know, all these other teams are trying to do the same thing, but, you know, you just see how, how hard it is to actually find. And when you find these, these great teams that have that, it's just, you know, that culture is just automatically there. I don't care who you are, how good you are. When you come into that place, it's, it, there's something special, right? Like we've seen it in any sport. It's, there's something special in that one group, has that recipe and has a, that good core group, but it's already baked in. Like Coop, Coop, Coop says all the time, he's like, yeah, these players, like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about these guys. Like I talked to him when I was in Denver He's and he said it in his pressers. I don't know. I, I got to give it to the players because, you know, when you come into this team and they've added new guys, right? They've added new guys that are being playing real well. You know, Hagel's come over from Chicago and fit a perfect role and, and done his job and, uh, brings energy. Uh, you know, Nick Paul doesn't shut up in the dressing room. The guys were just going crazy about Nick Paul. This guy does not stop talking. He's amazing really? every day as soon as he gets to the ring. Really? Yeah, I was like, really? I, I was like, really? That's, that's interesting coming into this group, back-to-back champs. No, there he is. He's right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, maybe so. they don't need to hear from you, Nick Paul. You've been in Ottawa. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I guess that's his personality. They needed it. They love it. And, and you know, you see how important his play is, one, but his role and, and obviously I think his personality and, and coming into that group. So, you know, it's a lot of things that make it go round, but it's those key important, uh, you know, steps uh, that kind of, you know, kick things off and then it just baked right in. And, you know, Stammer said that too. He's like, we've got this going on here on the other side. You know, we've got Colorado who is, are probably at the beginning of what took us years to build to They're They're right there. And it's going to be like, watch this, watch this group, like this core group, this, you know, culture, the way they play, the expectation, it's just in there now. That's what they are. Well, I want to play off of that a little bit. And we're, of course, joined by Colby Armstrong, former NHL or Sportsnet analyst. When it comes to, to, to Cooper, as is, is, is brilliant as we think we, he is as an NHL head coach today, he's also smart enough to let the room decide um, where yeah. they fit. And, you know, when I, I look at uh, that Tampa Bay Lightning and their last two championships as they go towards their third, the room, Colby, and you can, you know, you've experienced this at the highest level. Um, 
the room has a wonderful way of sorting itself out. Like we look at Kucherov yeah. and we go uh, as talented, as brilliant uh, as anybody sometimes in the league. And yet we know we can look at him and go, that guy just ain't captain material, you know, and it never a guy yeah. that yeah. you should go to and, and get a feel for what's happening. Those guys have a funny way of, of being so talented and they're so within their own little world that uh, when, when they're on, it just finds a way to fit right in. Um, yeah. But I look at the Colorado team right now and I'm, you know, they're still young and they're still at the beginning where they're just trying to sort out that whole thing. And uh, I look at uh, Nathan McKinnon and he's as talented as anybody, of course, right up there with the, the McDavid's uh, and the Matthews and, um, you know, the rest of them. And yet, you know, when I look at that room, I look at uh, Langus Cog, Landis Cog. And oh, my I go, God. Like, that, that's the captain. That is uh, yeah. the leader. But outside of that, I think they're still trying to maybe fit, you know, where, where a few of the other guys are. But are, are they close enough now um, to, to know where that pecking order is in the room to now truly challenge for a Stanley Cup? Yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah, sitting at media day talking to these guys, and, and I talked to Landis Cog. I mean, this guy is maybe one of the more underrated, rock-solid leaders, people, character, uh, I don't know I, I I've never met him really before. Maybe in just in passing at a few things, and amazing. It was amazing to see and 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 also ask his teammates about him too and what they say about him. I mean this this guy's just a, just a stud all around. Plus he's pretty damn good looking too. Kind of got everything going on. Kind of got everything going on. You know, and and like we, we as I watch Nathan McKinnon and. You know, sometimes he can get so frustrated. We know that, and he could sometimes yeah. be a pain in the ass uh, to his teammates. Uh, uh, but Landis Cog is the only one in that room that could actually, you know, settle him down or get to him yeah, oh yeah. or tell him when he's uh, being, you know, he's wound too tight. And uh, you know, uh, that's that's the type of leader Landis Cog is. Yeah, 100%. You ask any guy in that room, like, he is he is beyond just that voice and that guy. He's the joke guy. He's the loose guy, too. He's the guy that's setting up, you know, the football pool. He's the guy that's setting up, you know, this. He's doing everything. He, like, this guy is this guy is amazing. And, and listen to the guys talk about him and, and, and how he does everything perfect every day. He comes in. He's, like, literally first guy there. Like, like the work that he puts in. And then also, like, just the guy that he is, like, everyone loves him. Like, they just love the guy. Plus, he's tough as nails. He plays hard. He's skilled. He scores big goals. He goes to tough areas. He's got all these things. Like, when I saw him, he came into that room. I was like, damn, this guy's old-school hockey big. Like, he's, you know, he's 6'3", like, 220 big, you know? Like, he's a big, he's just a big, thick dude. So, you're right. I think there's been an evolution, obviously, with him, too. Uh, at the time, the youngest captain in the NHL and what he had to, you know, get through um, in finding himself uh, as a leader uh, and as a guy. But, man, I'm telling you, the response that he can get from his team, the respect he has, and kind of the way it's sorted out uh, in their dressing room, I think, happened pretty fast. Uh, in, really, generally speaking, when you start adding guys like McCarr and, you know, Bowen Byram and on top of the, you know, those top three forwards that they have, uh, 
it can happen pretty quick. And, um, you know, I, 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 I think Bednar or Cooper, you look at both those guys, just both pretty chill, relaxed, loose guys and trust their teams a lot. And I, to your point too, Kipper, I think, I think when you get to this point too, with both these teams and, and the way these, these teams are laid out, you know, with their pecking order, as you talked about, you can tell me any time, like, what are the coaches doing right now? Maybe tweaks here and there, but every guy on that dressing room, every guy on that bench, when a certain situation happens, they know who's jumping the boards, where they are in the game, who's coming off, I got them. I'm killing power play. Okay, we're going, boom. This is happening. Everything's just smooth. Like, these guys are running it. I guarantee that's, that's where both these teams are at, core group, skill, you know, leadership-wise. Colby, I'm fascinated now that you have become the guy who does the big interview. Like that's a tough spot, and like networks don't give it to just anyone. Oh. You you know how does it feel? Listen, he 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 comes in. He's he's buttering them up. A stammer, oh, buddy, he knows what he's pal, doing. chum. He gets them to lower their guard, and then he. I, I don't know yeah, what he does. That's what I do. I, I don't know what you do after that. Go for beers. that i pounce uh borny i'll say this to you this is my uh this is what i say i have no clue what i'm doing yeah but i know exactly what i'm doing doing. (laughs) love it i love it that's true because you know people find you know can connect with you a little bit more when they know that you're not trying for some gotcha quote or whatever you're kind of a buddy but like uh what have you done you've done sid and ovi you've done stamkos who else have you talked with Uh, makar these you know the media days through the nhl too start of the year that's where i've got all these and a lot of them and then i've gotten yeah i got uh mckinnon makar got uh leon and connor together um wow you know, it's been it's been pretty crazy to see how it's worked out and, and uh you know, what we've been able to do I think this year even through still, you know, we're you know, you go to the go to the rink, you are doing the interview, we're still wearing masks, but at least we're getting some face to face interviews still and um uh, trying to kind of move this along where we're doing that. But uh still waiting um, for hopefully next beer. year it's different. Get those damn masks off. I think I'm done with that. But um yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been a real cool experience, guys. Like not being in the studio, being out at the rink, seeing the guys and stuff. It's it's been a lot of fun. Oh my god! And beer pong at Cass's house. <laughs> I mean, oh just right. You're you're real feral, yep. man. You're going back to college. You're forty years old. You're going back to college. <laughs> I'm not 40 yet, Kippy. November, I'm 40. I'm not 40 yet. Oh, Colby, I'm 40 in December, buddy. I'm with you. Buddy, you're not too far off from jogging naked down to somebody's (laughs) small town. (laughs) We're going to the quad. Frank, get in the car. Get in the car, Frank. Colby, do we just assume that uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night go 20 and 1 coming off a loss? Uh, yeah, that's what I assume. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> like I, and it's all all because I, of the I, I, number eighty eight. Like legit, as soon as the game was over, I was like, okay, the first ten minutes, those couple crappy goals, um, and I was like, home crowd. But I'm like, I, I think they settle in. I think they find their game. I think they came there to win one game. I think they know it's going to be a long series. I think they know how to manage that. I think they'll find a way to kind of, um you know, pull their game together, those little mistakes here and there, a little bit, you know, not 
not up into guys enough really with their with their game early, maybe feeling it out a little bit. But man, we've seen them. They're they're chameleons. They'll find a way to shape shift into something to uh, have an answer, and then they know how to win. They know how to win, and I think they uh, are comfortable in you know just being in a series. They're comfortable in, in what it takes. But their D Vasilevsky and everything I just said. Um, I think they'll find a way to get, get a win in, in game two. We will find out. Hey, Colbs, as always, thanks for doing this and having some fun with us, man. Uh, love it. Love it, boys. Enjoy right. the rest cool. of the we playoff. Appreciate you. It's going to be a heck of a series. It's going to be an awesome series. Playoff hockey's been awesome, so thanks, boys. Thank you. All right, that's Colby Armstrong, uh, the NHL's uh, 19-year-old version of Barbara Walters. <laughs> but right, Colby as Barbara Walters is great. He hung up and uh, didn't even hear me say that. Um, Would he know who Barbara Walters could... is? Would you know who Barbara Walters is? Barbara Wawa. Wawa. <laughs> yeah, I know Barbara Walters. All right. She's yeah. she's still with us, right? I was actually trying to think of. Uh, to be honest, not sure on that. Fifty-fifty. Um, I was trying to think of a, who is the most famous interviewer of our time now. Like, is it Oprah? It's got to be Oprah still. She no no one can produce numbers like Oprah. Is it Paul P. Sinet? I don't know. I don't know who it is. <laughs> Oprah or P. Sinet, one of the she, two. I, so it appears I, Barbara Walters is still with us. I'm going to uh, right. I'm going to I'm going to spin this a little bit uh, back to Sammy for his Toronto Maple Leafs before we go to break, and then we got uh, Chris Terry on to talk a little Tortorella with us uh, after the break. But you know. Uh, I am such a big believer out of the, the pecking order, the dressing room, and where everybody kind of has their own place and where they're comfortable with their place. Um, I want to spin this back to, to the Leafs a little bit, you know, where, where where the Leafs are, where you guys think they are to challenge for a Stanley Cup next year. And is that pecking order in the right place to, to legitimately challenge? I. Hey man, if you want to save so it, we'll save it. It's no, no. Yeah, we can save it, but it's just it's you hard. Want to save it. It's it's just hard to know when you're in the room. Like, if when you're on the team, you kind of know who the captain is, right? Like, it's not like you you do pick a captain, but you just kind of know who it is. And to me, it feels like Matthews is the best player. He's kind of the alpha on the team. It always seemed to yeah. me like he would be the captain. There were some issues before he got named, and then you know John Tavares became the captain. I think there's always been a sort of weird sort of relationship there in terms of the captaincy, which I always thought would be Matthews. I'm not in the room. I have no idea, but that's just a feel, so, I guess. Someone well, should and, have said this this year. Yeah. I don't know. And that's, <laughs> no that's, that's the only reason I bring it up, because we just had a real strong conversation with Colby Armstrong yeah. about Stamkos and solidifying that spot for him yeah. with the Tampa Bay Lightning and long after he's gone and everybody's gone, we're going to look at the history books and there will be no doubt about it that this was Steven Stamkos' hockey club. 100%. Right. And we got to go to break, but Colby's right. Landis Gog's super underrated. He's a yeah. really great player. It's okay. hard to well, see we... the Toronto Maple Leafs winning a cup and looking back and going, that was John Tavares' Leafs. Isn't we it? will pick up this conversation at some point uh, in the near future. But as you had said, not enough time. Let's go to break, and we'll be back with uh, Chris Terrian uh, to discuss the Flyers and the new Tortorella era. You're listening to Real Kipper Unborn, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and wherever you subscribe, to your podcast, iTunes or Spotify. Back after this.
is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right. Racing against the clock on our morning edition of Real Kipper and Born. Let's welcome in Chris Terrian, a.k.a. Bundy. Of course, we hear him regularly in the flyer area and anywhere you want to pick up Snow the Goalie, a flyer podcast. Bundy, how are you? Good morning, guys. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, this, we got some news in Flyerland after uh, yeah. exhausting seven-week search for their coach. They finally settled for one. We we love having you on. Your, your frank discussions, candid as anyone as we've ever had on this show when, um, when talking about uh, any NHL club. And uh, it's refreshing. It's great. That's why you're the first guy we wanted to go to to help <laughs> us make sense out of John Tortorella. Just when you yeah. think they're gone, they pull you back in. Um, it's... it's <laughs> Bunny, I'll make a statement, and you can just pick up on it. Is is this Chuck Fletcher going as safe as he can with a credible hockey name out there? Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, you know, I mean, they went through the the the, the, the ropes in terms of, I guess, interviews. Like, I think some of the interviews were even kept like kind of quiet. You know, and my, our, our old buddy Rick Tockett did an interview there. A couple of weeks ago, but I, I guess you know the problem for me always has been you know I, you have to look at the team, uh, you know from where they are. And again, I mean I've I've never been quite as saying this. You know I know they had a couple injuries this year. I don't know if those injuries would have been a season turning flip where the team would have made the playoffs. So you're getting a guy in here that I don't necessarily like. I really feel this team is on the the back end of whatever it once was, and I don't know. if you can like John Tortorella is the lipstick on the pig. He is. Um, they're, they're they couldn't sell tickets last year. They had there were some nights they had five or six thousand people. Is part of the thought process that Torts is going to be you know so abrasive and he's going to demand so much that he's going to sell tickets? He might for ten games, but until this team you know climbs the winning column every night. That's all anybody really wants to see. I, I like torts. Don't get me wrong. I think, you know, in, in a society where I think guys get away with far too much uh, in terms of the leniency compared to what the league once was and demanding accountability and asking guys to give 110% max effort, I don't have a problem with that at all. I actually find it refreshing. The problem is I just don't think this Flyers team is any good. And I think the coach far, succeed, uh, uh, far exceeds – the talent level of the group. So they have a good coach, but by my estimation, still a very bad team. So how do you expect this to go then, uh, Bundy? Here, they, they, The Flyers finished second last in the conference last year, the 372 winning percentage. Tortorella is not a patient yeah. guy. Do you expect him to be someone different to sort of work them up slowly, or is it just going to be same old torts and push, push, push? Yeah, I mean, how, how you, you can't expect anybody, you know, like like almost like Kipper said, you know, they pull you back in. It's it's the same thing. It's like it's the old guard. You're not gonna you're not gonna change his stripes now. He's 64 years old. No, he's won a cup. He's, yeah, I mean, he's done it his way and won. Uh, he's had success with teams even when they didn't win. They, you know, he was still a guy. So you're not gonna. I mean, he's gonna come in here and he's gonna probably look at what I looked at and not have the same patience that maybe someone else did. I think AV, when he was here, I think he just became 
I think he saw what it was, and I think his disposition was one more of arrogance towards the group, than anger or, you know, maybe what Torch is going to show them. I don't, guys, for me, Ellis, I'm not the GM of this team. If I were the GM of this team, I would have hired someone less than what a John Tortorella was to try to bring the team up to speed a little bit. But, listen, he's a good coach. He will get get a lot out of this team, but I don't, I don't know to what avail that is. I mean, if the, I, I don't know how high they can go. That's my point. I guess people's attitude probably is, guys, that, listen, Barry Trotz did it with the Islanders, took a terrible defensive team, made them better defensively, uh, and subsequently they, you know, they had a couple of good runs into the playoffs. I'm thinking that might be what they're thinking. I just don't know if it's, if it's tenable, even with John Tortorella as the coach of this group. So let me get this straight. The, the team's not good enough. You hired a coach that needs to make a splash right away. Um, this has got disaster written all over it. It, it does. I mean, it does. I, that's why I said, like, you know, why were you not looking at a Jim Montgomery or a Luke Richardson? Yeah, I mean, people, I, I, again, I'm not, that had nothing to do with being former Flyers. Like, some people here are like, oh, we don't want any of the old. Okay, that's fine. We had, a, we had a guy who was a former Flyer player. His name is Craig Berube. You know, what did he do when he got fired here? He went on to win a cup. That's nothing to do with that. Luke Richardson is a progressive type coach. I'm sure Jim Montgomery is as well. But those are the kind of guys I would have plugged into this situation. I mean, if if the team is not going to be good, and you should probably be, you know, I don't ever want to say throw a season to try to get a higher draft pick. Um, I don't know what the Rangers did for the two years that they ended up getting Lafreniere and Kako, but, you know, they certainly were not good. They were bad enough that they were able to get high draft picks. This This is just a very, very odd and compelling type of situation because I, I, again, I like Torts. I'm a fan of the way he coaches. I just don't think he has the horses here, which is why I say the lipstick on a pig. I mean, he'll make it look better. I just don't know how good it's going to look at the end of the day because I don't think that the, the enough talent is here to, to move this needle very much. So, like, how much is the spotlight on Chuck Fletcher now? Because to me, this says a lot about Fletcher. It says a lot about what he, you know, he, the goals are short-term now. This team has to turn it around be good right away. He's got to be feeling uh, like his job's on the line to make a hire like John Tortorella. Well, he and, – and again, this is – listen, let's not, let's not forget about the contract that Alain Vigneault still has. He's, you know, he had a $25 million five-year deal. You know, that's in the National Hockey right. League, guys. That's what they're paying a coach. So we got, they got to pay him two years left at $5 million a year, adding that to John Tortorella's four. You got nine million invested in coaches. I know it doesn't count against the cap, but still, this is the second guy that he's hired that has been what I would call an upper echelon, at least viewed by his peers and colleagues, an upper echelon type of coach. A Barry Trotz would be in that mix. Vigno, uh, you know, Torts, um, Peter Laviolette would probably be another. Just guys that have won cups. Craig Berube be uh, crawling into that space now. But I, I don't, you know, again, I, I just don't know. What I, I don't think it's going to have the desired result. And yes, Chuck Fletcher would. I certainly. I mean, it's, it's his his guy, his second main guy that he's hired doesn't work out. Uh, you mean he would be on a very short leash if he isn't already. So the things we hear is, and you mentioned AV's contract at twenty five times five. You hear four times four for uh, Tortorella. Uh, you hear that Trotz turned down as much as what six or seven. Million is that is that what's going around, Philly? I don't 
know if that's true, Kipper. You know, like I, I, I've heard that, but I haven't heard it from a super viable source, like in terms of like you know somebody here. But that was a rumor. That's like people said. I mean, so if you got a guy turning down seven million dollars, now listen, I think Barry Trotz was a little bit of a different situation. A lot of rumors that he wanted to go back to Winnipeg or go back to, to family. I, I don't know. Those are just things you hear on the street. But but certainly those the two guys at the end of the day appeared to be both those guys. And I mean. You know, in terms of where the market's at, they were the, they're the biggest guys, without doubt, uh, out on the open market for coaches. So, One more for from you. From that standpoint, yeah. One more for you, Bundy, before we uh, let you go. We're squeezed, man. We got uh, yeah. the tightest show ever. <laughs> um, but, no worries. Uh, you know, when we talk about Chuck, and maybe this is his last chance here, and he might be a little bit desperate, Where where is the market as a whole? How desperate is the Philadelphia Flyers past a head coach, i.e. ticket sales, suite sales, uh, uh, television ratings, uh, overall interest in, 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 the, in the sports market in Philadelphia? Where, is, where does that all come into play? It's, it's a little higher today with torts, but you know what, Kipper, I've never seen it like this in my life. You know, five, 6,000 people at certain games last year. The lowest ticket retention, uh, season ticket holder retention off early renewals in the history of the franchise. These are going backwards. They need something really, really good here. On top of torts, I'd love to see a high-end uh, uh, a free agent coming here in the summer. Uh, you know, there's, there's some available ones, but they need to get this back to a point where people care about Flyers hockey anymore and, and are not forced to, be, uh, to, to start caring about the orange mascot that runs around the building. This has always been about hockey. It's been about Ed Snyder's dream. He brought a sport to this Delaware Valley, and people have passioned themselves on it for years. What I've seen the last three or four years here happen here cannot happen moving into the future. It needs to change and change quick. Chris Terrian, always a pleasure, pal. Thanks for doing this. Thanks so much. You got it, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. All right. Gold uh, coaching carousel uh, starting to heat up a little bit. Uh, I know I tweeted uh, earlier about uh, Jay Woodcroft. There seems to be uh, some discussion there. It wouldn't surprise me at all to hear uh, in the next little while that uh, they'll they'll bring him back uh, as well as Dave Manson. So we'll keep an eye on that. Okay. Uh, uh, Marty, uh, Marty St. Louis, of course, signed with uh, – Montreal, we had heard uh, three million times three. Not bad, eh? For a guy that was coaching what uh, Bantam hockey, hockey. Bantam, yeah. You know, <laughs> so um, but you yeah, got to pay and, the head coach of the Canadians three million. You have to. Yeah, you have to, without yeah. a doubt. Uh, but we'll we'll see. It's still still a lucrative uh, industry right now for head coaches. Uh, that's for sure. And Barry Trotz, I'm told, uh, is is looking for you know, something a little deeper uh, through an organization, meaning, yeah, he may come in and coach, but when it's over, is there a place for me in upper management? Is there a chance for me to stay involved in other things? And that's That's tough, Kipper. Isn't that tough? Like, coaches come in, they get hired to get fired. If you decide you're sick of Trot's coaching, then what, you've already promised him he's AGM, like... Listen, if the rumors are true that he turned down seven million, there's a bigger, there's a bigger piece somewhere out there for him. So and North uh, giving him a percentage. It's going to be interesting to watch. There's, a, as we know, that uh, Nashville Predators are are sold, and there's going to be a new ownership group there. And will there be a situation for Barry Trotz to get in with Nashville? in some capacity and it may not be uh to coach it may be to go in there and 
Of course, David Poyle's still there, but there are some rumblings where David Poyle's future lies, especially with the new ownership group uh, slowly coming in there. Is there an opportunity for Barry Trotz to go home to Nashville in a, in a IE presidency type of role or hockey operations? Yeah. I'll do respect to Winnipeg, but if I'm going to come home to one of two places, I'm going to winter in Nashville with no taxes rather than wintering in Winnipeg with Canadian taxes. Well, he's got <laughs> Thank a home you very there. Much. He owns a home there yeah. in Nashville. He's going to end up in so, Nashville, isn't he? Well, well, we'll wait and see. Okay, how much time do we have? Because there's a Four lot of talk minutes. about Evander Kane and an arbitrator and whether or not he can go back to Nashville. I, I don't know where this is coming from. He is, or I'm sorry, San Jose. Oh, yeah. There's talk about uh, an arbitrator could possibly force him to go back to San Jose. That is not happening. I don't know where that's coming from. It's not happening. There's no way an arbitrator would ever send him back there. All that's happening now, moving forward, is an arbitrator has to decide whether or not San Jose or Vander Kane are uh, are in breach of their contract. That's it. And he's oh. got to decide somewhere on where and do ballpark figure what he was owed when he left San Jose was JB was over $20 million, correct? $23 million. The cap hit was three years at seven, $7 million per, but there's $23 million in real dollars. Okay, so... Un, no real different than any regular salary arbitration. Uh, the arbitrator can rule uh, zero or 100% or somewhere in between. So that's all that's going to happen here is that they're going to go through a process and they're going to find out whether or not Evander Kane is owed a 100% of that 20 plus or zero. That's all that's going to happen here. And he's just going to get a check and then be able to sign as a UFA somewhere else. Yeah, but there's also the fact that any other team signing there can use that money if he's awarded, say, 7 or $8 million. They're going to want to factor that into his contract next year. They're going to say, Evander, we know you're getting paid. We'll give you $2 million. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, there's, there's talk now he wants a 7 times 7 Listen, you, does anybody believe that there's a team out there that would do that at this point of, of his no. career on a small sample size in Edmonton? Really? Seven Not times seven? Chance. Some of these guys trying to pump this up is like Bitcoin maybe. Is that a good Oh, well term? done. How current. <laughs> go, go push Bitcoin right now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, so, no, I'm actually I'm actually looking for uh, seven times seven too, fellas. So. I also am on the seven times seven train. We'll see how this works out for us. Looking Sammy. for that. Yeah. Well, Sammy, did I not hear you on the morning show today? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I I created yeah. a monster here. You're hosting a <sighs> morning show. Like your your Sportsnet now's uh, uh, Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> no, I did not see McKee getting a Ryan Seacrest comparison. By the way, I ha- Seacrest would have to stand on Seacrest's own shoulders to look Sammy in the eye. So <laughs> you deserve twice the money, I Sammy. Had to, my my, little, my alarm clock went off at 4.45 this morning. So 4.45 how was that? the best time to wake up in the morning. Not great. And were you any good, Sam? 
I don't know. I had to talk about other sports other than hockey, which was new for a while. Like, I had to fire up some NBA takes, MLB. Golf's exciting. So, hey, boys, I'm going to go play golf today. You think I'll shoot bet- better or worse than Phil? Oh, All boy. right. Better. It's going to be a great weekend. Hey, Sammy, load up on the little Buddhas this weekend. It's going to be oh, hot. yeah, baby. All right. And uh, anywhere in Canada, if you want to order it, drinkobs.com. Yeah. Let's go. Give us a My try. wife loves them, buddy. Yep. Give us a try. Our thanks to Chris Terrian and Colby Armstrong. Always nice when the NHL players, ex-players, hang out on Real Kipper and Board. Have a great weekend, everybody.